Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and I've just returned from day two, the final day of San Francisco 49ers minicamp, and it was a good day. It was a fun day. It was the final day of minicamp before the San Francisco 49ers go on their five to six week summer break, then return eventually in late July for training camp, in which fans can attend. And if fans can attend, you can use our promo code 49ersaccess49, E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. But with the action of day two, the final day of Niners minicamp, we have some housekeeping to get into before we continue with the rest of the show. Nick Bosa did not participate again. He took it took place in no drills in OTAs and minicamp. He was probably doing quad workouts somewhere in the training room, uh, somewhere in the in the facility with the trainer. Elijah Mitchell continues to do work on the sideline, uh, and as he continues to work through an undisclosed injury that Kyle Shanahan said he had a couple of days ago. So no Elijah Mitchell once again meant Jordan Mason. And Ty Davis Price got the brunt of the second and first team reps with Chris McCaffrey filtered in here and there. Uh, Fred Warner, Mooney Ward, Dre Greenlaw, and Demetrius Flanagan Falls all worked on the sideline again today. Uh, Mooney Ward, Greenlaw, and Warner didn't do any drills in uh, OTAs or minicamp, so they are definitely taking it light until training camp begins again later in July and early August. Uh, Marcelino McCurry Ball got second team reps at Mike Linebacker. You can There was a good example of him today leading the defense, a uh, very commanding presence, so a good sight to see for a young player trying to prove himself a safety, uh, a former safety turned linebacker last year. I know shined in preseason early, kind of you know f- filtered off towards the end of preseason, but a good sign from him. This linebacker room is very top-heavy, but not much depth behind it. Oren Burks seems like a lock, but if a guy like Ball can come in and kind of declare himself, make a statement, it's a good sign for a young player. Also, we saw Brock Purdy again, and no, he wasn't drinking water. No, he was not, but we did see him for a very, very short period of time while the team was doing team drills. Uh, he was off to the side on the other field across the entirety of the facility, uh, stretching and doing some light jogging. So we did see Brock Purdy again. Uh, cannot wait to get him back on the actual field. And hopefully soon we can see him throwing the football for the first time since that NFC Championship game once training camp returns. Uh, and look, with the with it being the final day of Niners minicamp, of the 
off-season program, I wanted to kind of share with you a very funny thing that I thought at least was funny. Uh, yesterday, that being Tuesday, we got you know porno stash Nick Bosa in his post game or his post practice press conference, and today we got do rag wearing Talanoa Hufunga, and then in his post practice press conference, Javon Hargrave walks on stage and. Is his first time talking to the media, I believe, uh, in OTAs and minicamp after reporting uh, earlier this week. And as he walked up sideways, <laughs> my mind just... All I saw was the like the biggest butt I have ever seen in my entire life. I mean, this man, like, he is equal size, at least width-wise, to Trent Williams. Like, he looks bigger than that girl Zion Williamson's hooking up with Mariah Mills. Like, this guy is so freaking thick. Like, I sat there and said, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, what is that thing? But it goes to show you that that these guys, these NFL players who are, are mammoths of men, they're, they're huge on TV and on our, our phone screens. But once you see them in person, I mean, my goodness, uh, he is a mountain of a man. I mean, I would not be surprised if his his lower half alone outweighed a lot of men. Like, Javon Hargrave is huge. And that booty is also huge as well. But uh, let's tip things off with one of the post-practice uh, press conferences, that being Steve Wilkes. We'll get into Trey Lance and Sam Darnold and Jake Moody's amazing amazing show of, of, of leg strength at practice. But before we do so, let's dive into Steve Wilkes talking to the media for the first time since becoming uh, the team's defensive coordinator in minicamp and OTAs. And to kick things off, look, I've seen Demeco Ryan's talk and Kyle Shanahan's talk, and I've seen coordinators and coaches speak. And when Steve Wilkes walked into that door, um, it was abundantly clear that he was an NFL head coach, that he is an old school type of coach, of what seems like man. He even said on his summer break, he's going to go smoke cigars in the mountains in North Carolina and drink something, something on the side. So uh, definitely an old school type of person in that way. But you can tell he carried this kind of gravitas uh, that you know, he was an interim head coach, but he means business. Um, he wants to have fun, but he's a man of integrity. And, and you can just tell that uh, this is his life. Um, you know, having fun doesn't mean it's not, doesn't mean that you're not involved or dedicated, but you can tell Steve Wilkes has dedicated his life to football. And then he carries himself like an NFL head coach. And with Demeco Ryans, the. You could tell he was going to be a head coach. With Steve Wilkes, he already is a head coach. Like, you get that feeling the minute he walks into the room that, you know, he's a dad, he's a father. And, and even uh, Demo Lenore kind of mentioned this and, and coined the now nickname. He is the godfather of the defensive backs. And now it kind of feels like he's the godfather of, you know, the, the, the defense itself because he means business. You can tell he takes it so seriously. And... This is by no means a knock on Demeco Ryans, who was one of the best defensive coordinators in football, but Steve Wilkes, just by demeanor, like he commands presence. Whereas Demeco Ryans was a quiet person, very soft spoken, uh, Steve Wilkes walked in 
He spoke first. Most coaches will say, you know, what are your questions? He opened with a statement. Like, you can tell that he is and does mean business. And I do like that the first thing he said was, or one of the first things he said was when asked, what are your goals for this team this year? Um, sometimes it can be tough for a new defensive coordinator who was not promoted from within to, to know what the weaknesses of a team is early. Um, but having played this team uh, last year when he was with Carolina, um, albeit not, not a great game for the Panthers when he was there, um, he knew this team's weaknesses. Um, I know many fans, if, if, if I asked you out there, if I asked you what was this team's biggest defensive weakness, I would assume you'd either say one of two things. One would be who's playing next to Nick Bosa on the opposite defensive end. The other one, I think what I would say, would be giving up big chunk plays. Uh, I harped on it a lot during the season of Lakufunga and Lenore and Gibson against the Chiefs and the Dolphins and the Raiders and the Eagles. Uh, there were big chunk plays given up by this defense that if they can limit those, uh, would make games so much easier to breathe. Wouldn't wouldn't need the offense to score 40 points, although 22 is enough for this defense. But it also wouldn't mean the defense has to play so tight, so much where games are, you know, 21 to 20 with two minutes left and you're backed up in your own red zone hoping you can have a goal line stance. Um he mentioned that, look, our goals this year are to limit explosive plays and get turnovers and score touchdowns defensively. And I think that one player comes to mind into kind of, you know, those goals he has, and that is Jair Brown. Now, there's a reason that their first pick this year in the third round was Jair Brown. He is one of, or of the people that were remaining on the draft board he was the best playmaking safety on the board. And when you bring a guy in that has 10 college interceptions, uh, led the entirety of college football with picks, I believe since 2018, or excuse me, since 2020. Um, geez, 2018, sorry. Um, 2020, um, you bring in a player like that, uh, it kind of shows that they're committed to getting the ball back, um, limiting big plays, and scoring touchdowns this defense wants to be the reason this team wins games but they also want to be a reason why this team scores points and I think last year uh, a ton of uh, ton of sacks a ton of picks last year they want to increase that even Steve Wilkes uh, said like there's room to improve on this defense which is already if not number one the number two unit in the NFL and sticking with that Jaya Brown um, Steve Wilkes mentioned that he has kind of already got that mentor built in for him. I know many fans want him to start early. Um, I am of the mindset of let him learn behind Gibson. Uh, Brown has a lot of elite traits, but there are some things that if he can get time under his belt, he can clean up. He, he play, he's a slower player that plays fast, if that makes sense. Um, again, if you can hone in your weaknesses while learning behind someone like Deshaun Gibson, who apparently has already taken Brown under his wing, uh, Brown is picking his mind constantly, Hufunga has been a good presence for Brown already, very communicative for the young safety, you can have someone like Gibson who's seen the NFL for three or four different teams, um, you know, 
was a big, uh, big presence on this defense last year. He, there is not a coverage he has not seen. Um, and you have someone like Gibson for one more year on the roster, may or may not retire, likely his last year, and you already see this the kind of the the, the building blocks of uh, the pro- progression that Jair Brown is going to make or hopefully can make behind Gibson with Gibson teaching him and really becoming that mentor for him while Brown sits behind him on the depth chart. Um, another big thing was Nick Bosa. Uh, apparently, Nick Bosa and Steve Wilkes had a conversation, I believe, yesterday. If you're seeing this, probably on Tuesday. Uh, and it really, many people wanted to know, what was that conversation? Was it, you know, how he plays and kind of, you know, what Bosa wants out of the defense? When you're the running defensive player of the year, you may have a right to demand certain things. And Steve Wilkes said, no, that conversation was, you know, to build a relationship, to get to know him as a person. And when asked, you know, who Nick Bosa reminds him of, uh, you could not go wrong with the two players he named. That being Luke Keekley and Brian Erlacher, multiple All-Pros, multiple Pro Bowls on both those guys' resumes. And the reason why, and here's a big thing here, there's... The reason why Steve Wilkes named Erlacher and Keekley was because, one, they are trying to build a legacy in the NFL, and two, they have their eyes towards Canton, the Hall of Fame. Uh, Wilkes said that Nick Bosa, even after being Defensive Player of the Year, his goal is to get better. Where can he get better this year? Can he get more sacks? Can he, can he be better against double teams? Like, Nick Bosa can easily can easily do the exact same thing he did last year and fans would not complain you give me a near or equal to defensive player of the year status every single year once his new contract sets in uh no fan's going to complain but nick they both is not complacent um and for steve volks to say that of a player of nick bosa's status of look Defensive player of the year, you know, he doesn't have to do anything else, but he wants to improve. He wants to get better. And again, we talked yesterday that you, you add Javon Hargrave and Drake Jackson, if he can be who we think he can be, and Eric Armstead and this defense next to Nick Bosa, you know, why why couldn't he improve? Uh, the difference is this isn't a Nick Bosa or a player that's saying, yes, I'm the same player I was last year, while... Yes, he might be. He's also trying to be better than what he was last year. And to hear Steve Volks say that, to kind of compare him to Urlacher and Keekley, two guys that defined generations at their position, uh, I, I believe Nick Bose is also trying to do that. Which is so funny to me because so many NFL Network people and PFF still have him ranked number two and three amongst edge rushers. Like he didn't just lead the league in sacks and win Defensive Player of the Year. Like, I get it, you love Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett's great as well, but like, how does the reigning defensive player of the year rank number three behind guys that he had much better seasons than? That doesn't make sense to me. Hopefully Nick Bosa proves it to all the haters that still exist somehow. I, I don't understand that. But continuing here with Wilkes' comments, uh, one of the big things with Wilkes is he is a former defensive backs coach. His specialty is... Defensive backs. Again, you draft Jair Brown, you bring in Miles Hartfield, um, you come into a situation that basically has their two top corners, but you sign Isaiah Oliver, who is a free agent. Like, 
you can see Steve Wilkes, you know, imprint already on this defense when it comes to the defensive backs they have brought in. He wants physicality. Um, and even Demo Lenore mentioned that, you know, when talking to Wilkes, that he wants me to utilize my weapons, being my hands, my feet, my chest. Um, and you can tell that Steve Wilkes wants a more aggressive style of cornerback and defensive back this year. You know, God gave you those hands for a reason. Use them. You know, you have these traits, you have abilities that, you know, you used last year, but you can improve upon this year. There are things you can tweak that someone like Steve Wilkes can see and say, look, I've seen this for a decade plus, you know, try this instead. And I think with Wilkes, when he dove into the cornerback room, he mentioned that, look, Mooney Ward, who's getting paid a lot of money, and I know late towards the year, many fans said he kind of tailed off. I disagree. There were certain plays, yes, that did hurt this team, but overall, he was phenomenal all year long for this team. And Steve Wilkes said, Mooney Ward is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. He had a lot of high praise for Lenore as well. Um, he mentioned that, you know, Lenore, it's funny because um, Lenore mentioned that one of his goals is to be one of the best corners in football. But more importantly, he mentioned where he needs to improve. That is the deep ball. And he mentioned my, my my deep ball skills must improve. And he, and he mentioned plays like against um, the Raiders and the Eagles and the Cardinals against A.J. Green. Like he mentioned plays specifically saying, look, I had a good year last year. I can get better. And I think when you have a player like Lenore, a young player coming off the best year of his career where he found confidence in the second half of the season, and you bring in a defensive coach like Steve Wilkes, that has the same goals in mind for a defense. Like any time, whether you played in high school sports or middle school sports or college or the pros, wherever you played, whenever a new coach gets brought in, there always seems to be that one player that that coach loves more than the others. Now, I'm not saying Wilkes is picking favorites, but when a player sees the game the same way as a coach, that does leave an imprint on that said coach. And I do think Lenore Wilkes might see the game the same way. And I think we're going to see a better and more improved Lenore this year, where we saw him ascend a little later in the year and kind of become that, you know, number two solid cornerback. And I think there's more room to improve there. Lenore admits that himself. And I think Wilkes having the same goals in mind for the team as a whole and Lenore having those goals for him specifically, when those two things line up, um, that's when magic happens for a defense and a player like Lenore. Um, so I, I, I think big things are coming for Lenore this year. He's been great in OTAs and minicamp so far. We talked about it plenty of times. He, he can easily be the top of our highs and lows almost every single day. Um, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> but he's been that good of being kind of cornerback number two locked down across from guys like Womack and Thomas. And speaking of Thomas, um, I mentioned early in the OTAs and even before them that Ambry Thomas finds himself on the roster bubble. Um, and even early, we have seen glimpses of improvement. Yes, there's been some hiccups. That's football. Um, 
But we've seen him go from, you know, second team with Mooney out, which really becomes third team, to now he's taking first team reps across from Lenore. Whereas guys like Womack have fallen down the depth chart. Now, does that mean that that's how it's going to happen come season time? No, it doesn't. But we have seen, and Steve Wilkes said it himself, that Ambry Thomas has had a really, really good OTAs in minicamp. Now, um, there have been some plays you can highlight and say, wow, that, that wasn't good coverage there. He got burnt there. Ayuk uh, was cooking him early in OTAs, which we saw him being the second-team cornerback. But he came back in, in, in minicamp and said, nope, and started taking first-team reps across from Lenore. We are seeing improvement from Ambry Thomas. And I think, you know, we talk about when a player leaves a situation, that that's a fresh start for him. Sometimes that fresh start can just be getting a new coach or a new assistant in the building. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, uh, Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold. Like, we saw Brian Greasy's, um, you know, we saw his impact on the quarterback room last year. And I think we can see that similar thing happen this year with the cornerback room. Lenore and Thomas, and even Lomack too. Like, I think a fresh start might be for Thomas happening simply because Wilkes came in, not him getting traded, not him being cut. And I do think Amory Thomas is building on to something. Again, we'll see what happens come you know training camp and preseason and the regular season. But if you continue to progress, good things are going to happen. Uh, and sticking with the cornerback room, we dive into our first high and low of the show. Our first high is Deshaun Jameson, the Shark, the undrafted free agent from Texas. He was phenomenal today. I mean, he was all over the place. When I can count on my paper and my notes from camp today, he had a pass breakup on Tuesday, but he had three more today. I mean, he was frustrating guys like Ronnie Bell and Isaiah Winstead. Um, like, he, he, he almost had a pick today, too. Like, he was all over the place. And we talk about, you know, who's that cornerback number six. Dante Johnson's not here anymore, folks. And if someone like Jamison can be that scrappy, you know, physical corner that is fighting for every inch, every yard, um, he has a chance to make this team. Um, and I do think that, you know, he does add some versatility here. He can play the outside, didn't just play the inside. Um, and I, and I, I do like what he can do in the special teams, also being a return man. Like, there is no promise Ronnie Bell makes this team. Like, there really is no promise McLeod or Gray make this team. We hope they do. I think they will. But if Jamison can be that number two return guy and make sure it's not Ayuk or Debo at certain times this year if guys get hurt, like, Jamison can actually provide something to this team. And having, you know, being feisty, being physical, being sticky in coverage today, he really showed that at least being, you know, on the you know, the third string cornerback, you could say, on the third team, like, he looked really good um, in his final OTA of the offseason program or final minicamp reps of the offseason program. And moving forward, our first low of the, the show is... Every receiver not named Brandon Ayuk because Brandon Ayuk is great. Uh, Lenore said he'll be a top five you know, receiver this year. It's looking that way. He looks motivated, ready. He feels underrated. He feels underappreciated. He is out 
to show the NFL and put them on notice. Lenore said that. I'm saying it too. Ayuk looks just awesome. He can easily lead this team in targets once again this year. But every receiver not named Ayuk was not having a great day. Um, Jawan Jennings, we saw him last year kind of have a drop problem in certain times. Against Washington was a big one, turned to interception in that game where it was close early and then you know they broke out later in the game. Um, but he kind of developed a dropping problem later in the season. Um, he'll make the team, but that did kind of rear its ugly head today. Uh, I counted uh, two drops on his behalf today. Chris Conley continues to drop footballs. Danny Gray, again, another drop. We talked yesterday that Danny Gray, for all the good he can do, for all the speed he has, for the electrifying play he can provide, he has to catch the freaking football. Like, you can't do anything if the ball's on the ground. If that ball is not in your hands securely, you cannot take the next step. And I think at this moment right now, he makes some really flashy plays. But to get on this field with this head coach, you have to catch the football. Danny Gray's having a hard time doing that when it comes to team drills. Like, he'll make the really hard catch and drop the easiest catch possible. Like, he'll have a big touchdown catch yesterday with, with yak yardage. And you're like, wow, that's the Danny Gray we saw at SMU. Whereas today, it's like, Danny, like, you are the sixth receiver on this team for a reason. Like, you are not going to see the field unless it's a go route because of this reason. And even then, come game time, if you can't catch in practice, why would I trust you come game time? And so, uh, I don't fear for him being cut, but it is a reoccurring problem. Danny Gray has to catch the football. And this can mean nothing but those defensive backs love, and I mean love, chirping at Danny Gray. The Every single snap, every single play, they are jawing back and forth. Guys off the bench are jawing. Guys who aren't even in, in jerseys are jawing at him. Like, I don't know if it's a rivalry thing or, you know, he's chirping at them and it practices we don't see. But it seems like the defense loves to make Danny Gray not look good every single rep they can. Uh, moving along, uh, Ronnie Bell, look, Ronnie Bell looked like Jordan Poole today. And what I mean by that is, it seemed like he was on the ground like every single play. Whether he fell or got tripped or there was contact, he was on the ground a ton. And for Warrior fans, that pisses you off because Jordan Bell can't keep his footing and cost you turnovers and buckets. Uh, the same goes for Ronnie Bell. If you cannot complete your route, if you fall down consistently, and I like Ronnie Bell. There were a couple practices early. I was like, wow, like he has sticky hands. He looks good. And it goes to show you, like Danny Gray, if you do not stack days, your previous practice almost does not matter. You have to consistently stack plays. Ronnie Bell has not done that. Danny Gray has not done that. And for guys who are maybe fringe roster players, practice squad players maybe, like, you have to come out every single rep, every single day, every single practice, ready to go 100%. And if you're falling down, that's picks, that's turnovers, that's turnover on downs, that's incompletions. Those are not good things. Those are not good traits for a receiver. So basically, 
every receiver not named Brandon Ayuk is one of our lows for today. Our second high of the day is the third round pick, the the greatest kicker in all of the NFL, the third highest drafted kicker since I believe 2005 behind Mike Nugent and Robert Aguayo. Yikes. Jake Moody, uh, he was showing off today. In his final day of minicamp, it was the Jake Moody showcase. Um, Brian Schneider, the offensive, uh, excuse me, the special teams coach said he had a perfect workout for San Francisco. Um, today was the perfect showing of his workout skills and his physical kicking skills. They were just touting him out there nonstop. Zang and Zang Gonzalez, go in the corner. No one cares. Like, go over there and sit down. You are not this team's kicker. Uh, Jake Moody was 6 for 6 today. He was, from in my estimation, good from 33 yards, 43 yards, 47 yards, 48 yards, 53 yards, and, again, an estimated 63-yard field goal. Folks, I believe the last time the San Francisco 49ers had a, had a kicker, they had a 63-yard field goal was David Akers in Green Bay against Lambeau, or in Lambeau against Green Bay, in like week one of, of the season with Harbaugh when it was Smith and Kaepernick kind of doing the, the, the dual quarterback thing at halftime or before half. Akers hits the, the upright, kind of bounces in, and it was like, that was awesome! Jake Moody hit a 63-yard field goal with room to spare. Room to spare, folks. Like, I know there really isn't the defense there, and they're not trying to block the kick entirely. Jake Moody, he's the real deal. <laughs> like, I understand a third-round pick might be too high for a kicker, but if he's doing stuff like this come game time, it's worth it. It's worth it. If you have a Justin Tucker-like leg, a guy who, like my mind thinks of, put Jake Moody in Denver, he's hitting like 75-yard field goals. Like, that's what it was like today at Santa Clara on a non-windy afternoon at the practice facility. Like, Jake Moody looks like the it factor. Now, you may wonder, then, why is Zane Gonzalez here? Um, my understanding of the kicker situation is... Zane Gonzalez is just on the team to hopefully uh, to hopefully have a team buy in on him and say, hey, we don't have a kicker, we need one, let's get Zane Gonzalez. So he's basically only here to hope to, to see if a team can buy a kicker off them for a late draft pick. That's the only reason why he's here. Uh, this is Jake Moody's job, bar none. He looked great today. 63 yards, 63 yards, folks. Like, we're going to... Shanahan's going to be really aggressive this year if that's what Jake Moody's doing in, in OTAs and training camp and the regular season. Um, Our next low of the day is kind of a mixed bag. Uh, Samuel Womack uh, fell down the depth chart. Second team reps, not first team reps. Thomas getting those first team reps. Um, and he got beat today badly by Cameron Latu, who really hasn't shown much as a receiver. But today... From Sam Darnold, 60-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Womack just got left behind. Uh, it was just bad coverage. He got burnt by Latou. It really isn't that fast. Um, kind of a slow receiver, but 
get by a cornerback, like Womack has to stay with him. Even if Latu catches the football, you can have great coverage and still lose. That's okay. It wasn't great coverage. He was wide open. He's a bad day for Womack, at least on that play, because later on, he actually did bounce back and had really good coverage against uh, Ray Ray McLeod later in the practice. So a mixed bag here. One big bad play led to a touchdown. Later in practice, he bounced back. Really great coverage. Uh, that cornerback number four battle of Thomas and Womack is going to be extremely interesting to see because top three are locked in, but that number four and five is going to be so interesting to see who takes that job. Our final high of the evening before we dive into the quarterbacks is Cleland Farrell and Kerry Hyder. Now, Cleland Farrell... The Raiders castaway signed this year to kind of be the hopeful Arden Key kind of, uh, you know, reclamation project of the defensive line. Let Chris Kosarek work his magic. And today, at least, um, again, with no pads, Clellan Farrell was making plays left and right. Um, he had, I believe, what could have been two to three would-be sacks today alone. Yes, in one practice, two to three sacks is pretty darn good. Again, no pads. Um, but still, he was making Leeward Watson look pretty silly out there. He, he looked really, really good, again, with no pads on. Also had a really good run stop against Ty Davis Price today. So, Farrell had a really good practice, in my opinion. He shined off and showed off pretty well, uh, working second-team reps and opposite first-team reps from Drake Jackson with no Nick Bosa playing. But the one play everybody wants to talk about was of Kerry Hyder. I know folks criticize people on Twitter, reporters, you know, why'd you report it this way, not this way? Look, no matter how you view this play, if you're pro-Trey Lance, if you're anti-Trey Lance, for whatever reason you would be, um, or you're if you're pro-Kerry Hyder for all I care, which really is just pro-team, um, Kerry Hyder had a pick six today, off of Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance, I believe from where I could see, tried to get the ball to his check down over the uh, defensive line. Uh, Hyder saw he wasn't going to get to Lance, kind of stood his ground, got in Lance's throwing path, put his hands up, ball got sticky to his hands, tipped up, he caught it, and returned it for a touchdown while his guardian cap flapped in the wind. It was a poor decision by Trey Lance, but a really phenomenal play by Kerry Hyder Jr. Now, look, people are going crazy, like, Trey Lance stinks, all this stuff. Look, Trey Lance today, and again, kudos, Kerry Hyder was the best play of OTAs in camp by far, um, but this play alone does not show you the entire story. Because Trey Lance today, I think he ended the offseason program with two really good practices. It was not as good as his, you know, franchise quarterback, number three overall pick-esque practice earlier this week in day one of minicamp, but I thought it was a good practice. I, I thought Trey Lance looked pretty good today. Um, He looked good in drills. People want to hype up the overthrows. There were not many today in, 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 in any of the drills that I saw. Uh, he looked like he was precise on rhythm uh, and, and, and hitting the receivers and the coaches where they where they needed to be. Um, I liked what he showed in drills and even in 
you know, the, the, the team drills, you can tell comfortability is growing. Um, I know folks want to point to, you know, completion percentage and go, well, you're so bad here and so bad there. And there's one bad play. One bad play doesn't define a practice. It could define a game easily. That could be the reason you lose a game. And that's how you practice to go. Okay. Why did you do this? Let's learn. And for a guy who I know is three years into his career, which is crazy to say, he's still, like, he hasn't played. And so he's going to make mistakes like this. But you can see the comfortability growing even after that play where it's like you have your head down and you're like, dang it, I messed that up. What the heck? And the whole defense is going crazy. Hufunga's like, you see that pick six? Write that down, media. Um, Lance bounced back. And I, th- I-, I thought it looked pretty good today as a whole. Um, you can tell that from where he started in OTAs, a little reluctant. Uh, he is now pulling that trigger left and right. He seems more comfortable in the pocket. Um, he's kind of reading and reacting. You know, uh, a lot of the conversation has been he's too fast through his progressions, he's too slow through his progressions, and there's still some of that here and there. But you can tell that you know he is now becoming certain of this ball needs to go here at this time. And I think what we're seeing with every practice that goes by that there's going to be mistakes here or there but Trey Lance is starting to grow as a quarterback get more comfortable as the days goes by um the mechanics are becoming more refined more muscle memory for him um I think Trey Lance is growing and learning as each day goes by again a bad pick six doesn't take away from a 60-yard touchdown bomb to George Kittle up the seam of the defense like I know folks want to hear the the bad stuff, like the media and even fans sometimes feed off negativity because if you aren't doing the good stuff, like that should be a given. And if you're playing poorly, get out of here. I'm done with you. That's not how this goes. You have to kind of balance out the bad and the good. And I think Trey Lance is doing that. A 60-yard touchdown pass and one pick, that's football. The question is, how do you bounce back from that? And when you put together two nice, solid practices back-to-back, I think, you know, again, Trey Lance, a lot of the times people focus on a play a lot, and I think sometimes it's more than that. Yes, the outcome matters. Of course it matters. Uh, an interception, and an incompletion, and a touchdown matters, obviously, but in practice, sometimes it's a lot more than just that. It's it's It comes down to... You know, you know how is a quarterback reading a defense? Uh, maybe maybe guys are covered and he can't throw there. Well, in practice, you can't hold on to the ball. You have to get rid of it some way, somehow. So maybe you force a pass somewhere. I've seen Lance do that. I've seen Darnold do that stuff. And so I think Trey Lance, once training camp comes, I think he can leave these two days of minicamp saying, I got better. I progressed in where I needed to be. Um, and going in the training camp, I think he's in a good place to, if he's winning quarterback number two or winning quarterback number one, once Pretty comes back, I don't know. But I think he's put himself in a good place, ended things, you know, on a good note to go into summer break and say, look, you know, there's work to do, but I can be satisfied in what I did. Um, and the same can be said for Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold looked really good today. He looked like the better quarterback on the field today. Um, he came out hot. He was he was five for five. Had a sixty yard touchdown pass of his own. 
I mean, it was just bang, 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 bang. And you're like, wow, like Darnold looks decisive. He looks like a starting quarterback. He was, he was boom, 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 boom. You know, touchdown pass, and you're like, whoa, like where'd that come from? And I think that's been kind of the common denominator in a lot of the practices where Darnold has looked like the more consistent quarterback over time throughout the entirety of OTAs, entirety of minicamp, whereas Lance has had, you know, the, maybe the the lower floor, but a really higher ceiling. And I think that's where Lance has to improve. You can have the high ceiling, but you have to become more consistent across the board, whereas Darnold has been kind of a little bit low, but then been kind of right there at, at the Mendoza line saying, look, I'm averaging above, I'm, I'm not dipping too much below the average line. And again, 5 for 5, 60-yard touchdown pass. I mean, there was a play today that was really impressive. He rolled to his right, couldn't find anybody. The offensive line broke down, threw all the way across his body to the left side of the field and found Brandon Ayuk uh, for a nice catch. Um, another big play was uh, he found McLeod in a pocket of the defense, right over the second layer of the defense, boom, right there for a catch. Like, Darnold looked like the better quarterback today. He just did. Um, and again, I think that's been kind of the theme, where Darnold, the three of the four days, has looked like the better quarterback, right? Um, I do find it funny where it does seem like that every quarterback that plays with the second team has looked better almost every single day. Um, that's just weird to me. It just means nothing, but it's just funny to me. Um, so we'll see what happens come training camp, but I did like what I saw from Trey Lance and also liked what I saw with Sam Darnold. But what I didn't like, what I hated actually, is what I saw on a certain radio station today. And that was, I won't say who it was, you can figure it out for yourself. I don't want to take shots to anybody. But I do not understand the Brandon Allen hype. Because I was listening and I saw the clip on Twitter... And the, the quote, I believe, was, if Shanahan is so blown away by Brandon Allen, then what is Trey Lance still doing here? And first off, shut up. <laughs> Just stop. Um, I don't understand the infatuation of he was Joe Burrow's backup. He's been the third best quarterback on the field. He, on the roster, is the fourth best quarterback. And he's looked fine. He was 2 for 10 today. 2 for 10. Like, Lance hasn't been that bad. <laughs> like, he's not been that bad. Um, I get there's pedigree behind Joe Burrow. I get, you know, knowing a team like Cincinnati trusted him to to be the backup for Burrow, I guess, makes them feel comfortable with him. Even Shanahan said, we might carry four quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. I can guarantee you which one of those four guys is going to be inactive it ain't going to be Purdy. Once he's healthy, it's not going to be Lance, and it's not going to be Darnold. It's going to be Brandon Allen. Like, Brandon Allen probably won't even make the freaking team. Like, I don't get the infatuation of, like, well, well Allen's been so good. Like, why is, why is Lance still here? Well, I can tell you why Lance is still here. He's a better quarterback. <laughs> like, and it's been clear. And Brandon Allen has not looked bad. Like, he's been okay but he was 2 for 10 against the 3rd string and 4th string defenses. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it. And look, again, there are things Lance 
has to do better. Be more consistent. Be more precise. Get get more accurate. (laughs) That's just the case. But with a quarterback who... And look, take the interception, for example. Pick six, carry Hyder, ball batted down at the offensive line. That's happened five times to Lance already in a short time of playing. You've got to get better there. But guess what? Those are correctable things. Lance is a bigger-bodied quarterback. It's not an excuse to do stuff like that. That comes down to decision-making and how you see the field, your vision. You can improve that stuff with reps, with training camp, with quarterback coaches, with preseason, with maybe, potentially, regular season play. And so, to end today's show, I want to make a declarative statement. As of the five practices, the four to five practices we have seen, Sam Darnold has been the more consistent quarterback. Trey Lance has shown more potential at quarterback. That is the easiest takeaway you can have if you've been there. Yes, there have been mistakes. Yes, Lance has struggled with his accuracy at times, with ball placement at times, and making mistakes like today being a pick six. Darnold's been more consistent. More just kind of right there across the board of like, okay, he's just floating along, floating along. Lance has been kind of up and down, up and down, but the ups are a lot higher. Like, again, the first day of minicamp, Lance looked like a franchise quarterback. Darnold has not looked that good. Today, I think, was the best Darnold's looked the entirety of the practices, but was not as good as Trey Lance has been when it comes to peak performance at any of these practices. Let's end today's show, though, with a big thank you to you, the viewer, the listener. Thank you for following me on Twitter and listening to the podcast and the shows as we kind of dove headfirst into Niners camp and OTAs and minicamp. I appreciate all of the new followers I've gained, the subscribers I've gained. You've been so kind, DMing me, saying great things. I appreciate you. And you can continue that conversation with me on social media. Again, follow me on Instagram, 49ers.access. Follow me on Twitter, 49ers underscore access. It'll be down in the description or on the screen on YouTube. Uh, DM me, Let's Talk Niners. Be in the comment section. I read every single comment. Let's talk about this team. Questions do you have? Uh, Let's Talk Niners. That's what I'm here for. That's what you're here for as well. You can also use our Fanatics link up right here on the screen on YouTube or down in the description below. Buy yourself some Niners gear and support the show in the meantime. And finally, you can use our promo code at 40, or excuse me, at SeatGeek.com. It's 49ers Access, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek. Dot com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review, hit that bell notification for updates on YouTube. Tell your friends about the podcast. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful. <laughs>